Hello. Welcome to Down to Earth. My name is Jo, and this is my podcast. How have you been over the past couple of weeks since the new moon? We've had a couple of tough days, more than a couple, I think. It can feel self-indulgent and a little bit quote-unquote fragile to be talking about tough days when my life means that I'm not judged negatively for my skin colour, my cultural practices, the way my body looks or the way it works, my beliefs, the way my brain moves information, all these things. The only things that really count against me are the fact that I'm a woman and my age. Maybe that's you too. Maybe you have a combination of the above. But I think to not acknowledge that we can still have a bad day or week or year is to be dishonest. It happens. Piling on feelings of guilt for not being silently grateful for all we have that others may not have is not healthy. And when we don't practice good health for ourselves, we can't support others in doing the same. We cannot give what we do not have. I've been one of those people who kicks against the oxygen mask scenario. You know, the one where they say, put your oxygen mask on first, otherwise you can't help anybody. And yeah, sure, if we're talking literal oxygen masks, of course. But I have been the sort of person who goes, ah, yes, but if the other person's a three-year-old and it's not an actual oxygen mask, sometimes you have to put somebody else first. You know, talk about obvious. I was just being argumentative, I guess. But I did tend to have that kind of a mindset, and that has changed over recent years. The topic of emotional labour comes up often for women. I'd wager all women. I carry the majority load of it, I think, as the mother in my family and as a woman in a relationship with a man. Yeah, I said that. I'm not being mean. I think that's just the way it goes. Maybe I am being mean. What the hell? (laughs) It's still true. You may have other roles in your circle of loved ones, but if you have relationships with other people, then you know emotional labour. Parenting or caring for a little kid is exhausting and it's very easy to believe or to fool yourself that it gets easier as they grow up, but that is not true. You may be experiencing this now. You might not have to be constantly watching them. And if you're lucky, they learn to make a sandwich, but teenagers are high maintenance. We've been lucky and not, at least not yet, experienced the teen rejection thing. We are, as a family, as close or closer than ever. But my girl has high levels of anxiety, always has. And no matter what interventions we've tried, it still flares up, especially when there's lots of changes going on. And her life is changing a lot at the moment. She's nearly 15 and beginning to go out in the world. And it's all positive stuff, but it's new. And she's excited, but incredibly anxious. She's also, like all teens, trying to define who she is. And my telling her she'll be evolving her whole life is apparently not helpful. Every conversation we have at the moment is a therapy session. Every single one. She constantly seeks advice and then argues with whatever I say. Like her dad, she's a natural pessimist whereas I'm the optimistic freak that they roll their eyes at. Meanwhile, my partner works from home, but has always had 
weekly visits to HQ or a face-to-face interview to do and a couple of good friends who also work from home for the same company and they kind of support each other. They're kind of like a digital office. But thanks to the, let's say, mismanagement of COVID-19 in this country, things have changed. He's been stuck at home working but with no contact in six months apart from one email. Sadly, his direct manager is also the person who founded, owns and runs this big international company and he's had quite a lot on his plate, personally and professionally. And I think he thinks that Charlie's big enough and old enough to look after himself, doesn't need a lot of support, doesn't need motivating to work hard. He's just not a worry, which is great, but it means that he's had no contact, Charlie's had no contact, and he's floundering. His friends at the company were furloughed and then made redundant. So he now has no one to talk shop with or with whom he can talk about his concerns over his own job security, except me. So I'm swinging between the two of them, trying to hold their heads above the water. I love them. I'm strong. I do it willingly. And my life has trained me to do it. But you know what it's like. I'm sure you're there too. Who helped us? Neither of them, bless them, have enough spare emotional bandwidth to accommodate my concerns. And to be fair, I have never been the kind of person to ask for support. Also, pessimists. I can't deal with that energy. It's like kryptonite to me. I actually have to leave the room because I just, I just can't. I love my family. I love my place in it. And I'm not going to pretend it doesn't come at a price. That it isn't hard work. And that some days I don't just want to spend a whole day thinking about myself. Optimistically. So I'm fully committed to finding a way to have both. Some of that means sharing how I feel with them and not expecting them to be mind readers because I do that. And a lot of it is about me claiming space for me without guilt. Whenever I do, they are super supportive. And the vast majority of this is about my mindset. I grew up in a very codependent atmosphere. And uh, yeah, that's still my fallback. I have to work on that all the time. So how do I go about finding this space? What is that moment of alignment that I was talking about last time, where we feel how we want to feel, where we experience our number one value, which for me is freedom. Fortunately, I found a blueprint. Back in 2015, I took my daughter on a trip for her 10th birthday. I didn't expect it to be a life changer for me. I was ambivalent about the country we were going to visit. I didn't know it. I was only going so my daughter could spend time with her twin sister and her family. Her sister had been able to visit us a couple of times and it was just time for us to sort of reverse that. My partner stayed home and was happy to have the house to himself and go on his bike every day and what have you. Um, The dogs were safe and cared for, obviously. So I booked myself an apartment near where my daughter was on the coast with a sea view. The day we flew home, after our visit, I had to really battle not to be like openly sobbing in front of my then 10 year old who was really happy and excited to be going home. At home, you know, I fully accepted that it had been a holiday and I was back home and yeah, the whole re-entry thing that people go on about. But I wanted to see if I could pin down that feeling, find out what it was 
and recreate it for myself at home because I knew how good it had made me feel. I was constantly searching for it. I relived the trip's high spots, the landscapes, the beauty, the wildlife, the power of mother nature in this country. It was evident in all of them. Surely that was what was doing it for me because nature's my thing. It must have been the nature, it must have been the nature, but it wasn't. And it was a song that made me realize what it was all about. The first day in my apartment, I found a basket of blankets and throws that I draped over furniture, spread on the floor, piled up with cushions. I went out and bought a pile of stationery because stationery, right? I brought oracle cards with me. I brought oils and a travel diffuser, an iPad and keyboard, crystals, all the stuff. I made a space for myself to play and put my favorite music on, which was Rising Appalachia's Wider Circles. I think it's called Wider Circles anyway. While the first track played, I stood and surveyed the room with its doors open to the sea and the lorikeets calling in the palm trees. And even now, I put on that song and I'm free. My family knew where I was, but they didn't need me. There was no reason for anyone, them, my parents, my dogs, anyone, to ask me for a thing. I was no use in the search for keys, socks, food or existential meaning. I had nowhere to be except in that room or a hundred yards away, standing in the frickin' Pacific Ocean. I had food, money, time, all I needed. I felt entirely free for the first time that I could ever, ever remember. I was 52. The other day when I was thinking about this, about talking about it on here, I looked back through an old Instagram account, because I have a few of those, to see if I posted at the time, because I might have been free, but I was, you know, it's Instagram or it doesn't happen. And of course I did. I wrote about how happy I was. I also wrote about the building team in the hotel block to my left. I wrote about the half dozen kids screaming in the apartment to my right. I wrote about how the first weekend was the weekend of the big interstate footy game and everyone was watching, drinking and cheering. And I wrote about missing my people. And yet I still felt that complete liberation, that freedom, the beauty of my surroundings. Despite the noisy reality, despite everything, I look at that photo, I hear that song, and it reignites that joy, that bliss. It gives me three things that make my life better. A goal, to experience it again and again and again. A powerful healing, because energy. And the strength to be a really bloody good mother and partner and human, because my cup overfloweth. That place, not literally, although I have been back and it still does it for me, is sanctuary. That feeling is my blueprint. I'm building a practice or practices that empower me to access it whenever I want or need to. And as I do, I'll share. Because while the details may differ, I bet you're doing a lot of emotional labour at the moment. Or maybe you always have. I bet you could use some freedom and beauty. And they feel like love, love for ourselves. It's not new, it's not rocket science, but it's true and it's real and it changes life for the better and that ripples out. 
your values may be different to mine, your priorities, the things that really, really matter, but maybe my discoveries will help you access them. One life, eh? Your story. Taking time to release yourself from the world and its troubles is not a crime. It's a healing. It's a healing. Anyway, you get the point. I'm kind of saying the same thing over and over. But I'm working on this all the time. At the moment, it looks like meditation. It looks like energy work. It looks like breathing. And it looks like love. We all need it. Don't discount yourself. It's so easy for us to do that. It's been so easy for me to do that. And I'm not anymore. Anyway, let's see where it goes. It's full moon. I've got water to put out, crystals to charge. I'm still doing my water ritual of having that little pot of water with the crystal in it. I send my negative thoughts and maybe other people's pessimism towards that water. It goes back to the earth in the morning to be turned into something beautiful. And I start again with the full moon water. It's very simple, but it just gives me a good start to the day. I hope you're finding some time for yourself. I'm rambling and I'm going to stop now. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Be well. Be loved. Bye bye.